my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, Tanner fans. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta. Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, yes, it's a little different. I'm putting out an episode on Sunday, and I just thought, you know, this would be the perfect opportunity to do this episode instead of waiting till next year, 2021. <laughs> I am covering season eight. Yes, we are going all the way to season eight, the final season, episode 14, entitled Super Bowl Fun Day, which aired on January 25th, 1995. Joey comes home from a two-week comedy tour to watch the Super Bowl game, forgetting that he and Jesse had volunteered to take Michelle's science group to the museum that day. Wow, there are so many things wrong with that. I can't even, don't know where to begin. <laughs> He takes them to the local bar. Yeah, because that's what those kids' parents want to hear. Where'd you go today? I We went to a bar. What? You're not going over to the Tanner house anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that way Joey can watch the game and promises the kids that they will have fun playing arcade games. When the TV gets broke, the guys bring all the mad football fans to their house to watch the game interrupting interrupting DJ's college interview. Another thing that wouldn't happen on a Sunday. Seriously, I don't even know. Are museums even open Sundays? I don't think they are. And guys, I'm going to be 100% upfront with you. Um, I don't watch football. I don't watch the Super Bowl. I would probably be podcasting nowadays. Or I'd be reading a book. Or I'd be watching something on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. Or now Disney+. Plus. This episode's got a 6.8 out of 10 based on 142 ratings. We got... Oh, we have a guy here who has been... On the show, Greg Collins plays Cy. I want to see this guy's... Wow, he has been in... Oh, he's still working. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I want to go over what all he's done in as far as Full House, other... The, the fact that he even has a character name is just... Baffles me beyond no belief. And the guy in every episode this guy has been in, he's always wearing the jean jacket and the black t-shirt and the jeans. This guy's got a resume. Like, no, 168 credits. Coyote Ugly, Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, that spinoff of Buffy, Angel. Armageddon? I've seen Armageddon. He was in that? Well, there were a lot of people in Armageddon. Boy Meets World, Freezing Guy. Okay, Con Air, Guard. Ew, he was in Turbo, a Power Rangers movie? Ugh. The Sixth Man, what in the world? He played a police officer in an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, he also played a police officer in Family Matters. Oh, ew, he was a stripper in a show called Hope and Gloria? That's nasty, ugh. Oh, here we go. Now we got to Full House. Oh, he's in four episodes? 
Okay, the first one was in Fraternity Reunion, where he played um, one of the tough guys in jail. Season five, he was in Played Again Jesse. He played some guy who told Jesse, watch my suitcase while I go to the John. He was in season six, Subterranean Blues. Yeah, he was the guy eating an El Blodo sub that, of course, Joey had to sit next to. And then his final appearance, of course, was in Super Bowl Fun Day, where he plays a bar patron who apparently loves watercress sandwiches, as we'll find out when he and all the other bar patrons, including Weeby or Weeb, um, decide to take Jesse and Joey up on their offer in, or in exchange for them not being smushed to death or killed. Or He was a cop and house guest. That was a good, funny movie. Uh, wow, Home Improvement, an episode of that. Oh my goodness. But there's another, there's a lady here. I think you guys might know if you were into the Drew Carey show. Yeah, she was, uh, her name is Kathy Kinney. She played Mrs. Bedrosian. We also get Teddy, Aaron, and Derek. And... Andre Rosie Brown, who played, was he in a Fresh Prince episode? Because that looks, that looks like Uncle Phil. Oh, this guy passed away. Oh, he was only 50. Oh, my God. Oh, he's got a birthday. Well, didn't have a birthday. February 7th, guys. we got to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Andre. Not the seal. Okay, here we go. Last thing he did, 2002, devious beings it seemed like the guy plays like he's a type character type cast if you will uh burly guy security guard um uh bodyguard thick neck oh that's cruel uh aaron bodyguard he plays someone named muffin and something or other the bodyguard Prisoner and Frazier. Oh, remember Dave's World with uh, the late um, Harry Anderson? Yes. Oh, I'd never seen Space Jam. He was an umpire. He played a delivery man. So he's like, um, oh, that's cruel. Big Fatso, that's so mean. Okay, he played Tiny in Fresh Prince. I thought that looked like Uncle Phil in that picture. Um... And Full House, oh, he was in two episodes. He played Weeb, and then in season seven, he was in The Day of the Rhino. He played a bodyguard to Rigby. Okay, cool, cool, cool. A lot of, like, cops, uh, doormen, guards. Oh, he was in a security guard and stuff by stuff. All right, we don't need to go through everything this guy's been in, but, uh, yeah. This episode was directed by Joel Zwick. Writers Jeff Franklin, the creator, Chuck Tatum, and Jamie Tatum. Are they twins? Are they husband and wife? Jamie could be a girl's name. We got a piece of trivia. In 1995, the year the episode aired, it was Super Bowl XX1X. I don't know Roman numerals. I'm not sure what that is. Which was the San Diego Chargers versus the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers won the game 49-26. Wow. A goof. When Joey and Michelle hear the play from the kitchen, her hands are on the apple. In the next shot, she is not touching it. Great. All right, I got two reviews. The first one, by the ever-faithful Power Mandan, April 29th, 2019. This is, your review is almost a year old. He gave it a, 
he or she gave it an 8 out of 10. Entitled Super Bowl! Exclamation point. The Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, and World Series are the best and most fun days in the world of sports. Joey's favorite sport might be hockey, but 1995 was the same year the San Francisco 49ers made it. Made sense for there to be an episode about the Super Bowl instead of the Stanley Cup, especially since San Francisco does not have a hockey team. But you can learn something new every day. I did not know that. Thank you, uh, Power Man Dan. Joey is excited for the Super Bowl Sunday, but he forgets that it is the day that he and Jesse chaperone Michelle's science club. Science club? Is this sanctioned by the school, or just this something that she decided to do, like that super mutant power whatever kid thing that she and Aaron and Lisa and Derek all came up with at one point in time? It's not? Well, whatever. Because otherwise, then the school needs to be taking care of that. You know, um, the Tanners can't take everyone's kids everywhere. Other parents need to, like, uh, step it up and step in for a change. Let's see. Mm. Unwilling to miss the action, Joey suggests they go to a tavern. You mean a bar? A pub? A bar? Dress it in. Call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, there's booze there. It's clearly a bar. I've, I've been in those establishments, sports bars, stuff like that, guys. It is L-O-U-D loud. It is, you can't even hear the person next to you talking. It's not great. This is speaking from someone who would prefer to go to nice, non-loud places without drunk people. Michelle and her friends are angry that there is nothing science-related about the tavern. Stop calling it a tavern! It's a bar. Whatever. While Jesse is mad at Joey's neglect to his help, but Joey is in Super Bowl land. When the TV breaks, the club and customers head to the Tanner house. There, DJ is preparing for an interview to get a scholarship. Every episode tries to have a moment of learning their lesson of the day. The bit in this is weak, but that's fine because the rest of the episode was mighty fine. Gosh, what does that remind me of that um, Twilight Zone episode? Like, oh, that that's I'm gonna I'm gonna play that little itty bitty clip because <laughs> I like this. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. That's real good that you were looking at the cop. Okay, uh, the next review. 7 out of 10. The one with the Super Bowl. This one was also by Taylor Kingston, ever faithful. August 1st, 2016. Warning, spoilers. If you've not watched this episode, get your fanny on Hulu and watch the episode. Or break out your DVDs and watch the episode. Because this person's going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it if you're new to the podcast. That's what I do. That's why I'm here. To have fun. And you can have fun. Okay. Oh, someone commented on something. Cool. All right. I like this episode. It's not one of my absolute all-time favorites, but it is definitely still worth watching. In this episode, Joey returns home from a two-week comedy tour to watch the Super Bowl, which he's really excited about. But then he remembers that he and Jesse had volunteered to take Michelle and her class to the museum, meaning he would have to miss the game. They can't tape it? They, I just really, you got a VCR, right? You've taped stuff off the TV before. Am I correct? I'm pretty sure I'm, that's correct. Tape the Super Bowl. Tape it. And then when you get home, stop the tape and watch. What is 
And then you can go back and watch the rest of it, right? Right. I know it's not the same thing as watching it live, but them's a break sometimes, right? Right. All right. Instead, he takes them to a local bar. Thank you, Taylor Kingston. So he can watch them, promising that the kids will get eventually, will, will eventually have fun. But when the TV gets broken, the two bring all the football fans back to their house to finish the game. Excuse me, this interrupts DJ's college interview, which of course Danny doesn't like at all. Since when does Danny... Danny and Becky aren't even there. They're doing their thing at the, the, the football stadium with the, the, the announcers who they'll never see. You know, he's not there to have a, a comment or an opinion about what DJ's doing. Best part of the episode, nothing in particular. <laughs> Worst part of the episode, nothing in particular. Overall, I give this episode a 7 out of 10, which in my ratings book is great. All right, as usual, I'd like to let all the new listeners that have jumped on the Tanner train, I want to let you know where you can come, where you can come and go, where you can go um, follow along the podcast, interact with the podcast, you can interact with me, I'd love to hear what you guys got to say about uh, past episodes I've covered, upcoming episodes I've I'm going to cover in the future. I just, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your memories. All of it. If you want to follow along with the podcast on Facebook, go to Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. And just follow along, like the page. Also, you can go to OMHCF, <laughs> OMHC, Full House, Full House. Fuller House Pod on Instagram. Also Twitter at OMHC Full House. If you'd like to send an email, if you'd like to send an audio clip that you want me to include in a future episode on a... If you got a comment, an opinion, if you want to share your beloved memories of what the Tanner family mean to you, and all you got to do is... Send the audio clip, of course, clean, full house podcast, so keep it clean, and send the audio clip to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. The email address will be in the episode description. Also, if you are a regular full house watcher, podcast listener of this podcast, and you want to show your love, you want to show your support... Go to iTunes. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Use some emojis. Describe your favorite episode in emojis. Describe your favorite character using emojis. Have fun. Be creative. I want to see fun. fun. I want to see if I can guess by the emojis that you use what character episode you're trying to describe. (laughs) Okay, let's get in the... like dragging its heels it kind of was dragging its back legs someone get a little wheelie cart for season eight because it needs a little extra support there i mean i'm gonna be honest i i think that i could not have seen this going for another season or two i really everyone was just dragging their feet to the finish line at this point i mean just all the actors they just feel like they are 
they got one foot out the door and one foot in the house. Like, is it time? Can I go? I'm not saying their performances are, are horrible. I'm just saying the storylines, there's just, there's not much to them anymore. And just some of them are just absolutely outlandish. Like taking a bunch of children to a bar just because you want to watch a Super Bowl game. How many TVs they got in the house? I'm sure they got more than one. Am I right? I think I am. All right, let's watch Super Bowl Fun Day. Oh, here, what's the description on the, the case? Super Bowl, Joey, don't forget the batteries for your Bullwinkle TV and your promise to take Michelle's club to the museum. Uh, okay, cool. All right, let's get into this episode. All right, so let's start with a cold open. We are in the living room. We have Stephanie, looks like she's babysitting Nikki and Alex, and they're putting together a collage of different animals. Stephanie's like, all right, boys, and now we have a bear, a camel, and an elephant. She asks them, what other animals do we see at the zoo? And, of course, the boys, well, one of them, the one in the red and black checked shirt, they're always in, like, red and blue, which is probably just as well, so that kind of helps us distinguish. Will you stop chewing on wires, Quinn? Um, you know, who the twins are. Um, that kid has got those scissors. I know their kids save safety scissors, but it's getting a little too close to his other brother's face there. Like, he's gonna, like, he's gonna pull a Stephanie from season two, cutting it close. And, like, sorry, brother, I didn't mean to cut your hair, dear. And, of course, one of them, because I can't tell even if they're wearing different colors who is who, unless Stephanie is like, no, Alex, that's not right, because he holds up a hot dog. And it's a picture of like a drawing of a hot dog these things did not come from magazines clearly or maybe that cartoon looking animated hot dog came from like a highlights magazine or something i'm pretty sure she did say what other animals now son you know that a hot dog is not an animal it's not even really made from well i guess that could be debated on what actually a hot dog is made out of Okay, that one is Nikki. The one in the blue is Nikki. The one in the red is Alex. I think I can remember that because my name starts with an A and I like the color red. Whatever. Um, <laughs> and of course, Stephanie says, Nikki, I was thinking more of a, uh, animals we don't put mustard, we didn't put mustard on. Stephanie, you're not setting a good example. Hot dogs aren't animals. They weren't animals at one point. I don't think they were. They're made from pieces of animal. I don't know. Yeah, Stephanie's got some, like, yellow safety kid scissors. Like, the little Fiskars. So, this episode is just... DJ is gonna be... If I had a character I disliked in this episode already, DJ's gonna be at the top of that list because her attitude this whole time is just treating her family like garbage. Like, what are you doing here? My interview! She keeps bouncing back between the kitchen and the living room constantly. And who of an interview... Uh, uh, a scholarship uh, interviewer or inter whatever you want to call them from the scholarship committee, who makes house calls, and on a Sunday of all things. She says, what are you guys doing in here? And of course, Alex says, we live here, remember? Remember is a pretty big word for what? He's got to be, what, this is season eight, so he's got to be like, what, four maybe? 
I want to look and see when the when um, Dylan and Blake were born because I know it was sometime in the nineties. Um, they did not play the twins when Jesse and Becky first had the twins. Those were played by um, two other sets of twins. I believe it was like Kevin and some like something or other. Kevin and another boy, something or other. Let's see here, because I mean they aired in. 1995, but they would have filmed, my guess is, in 90, sometime in 94. So let's go to season eight. Let's go to where's the episode? Of course, it's going to come after Christmas because the Super Bowl always comes after Christmas. Let's see. Where are the boys? Where's the boys? Boys, boys, boys. Dylan and Blake. I know they share my mom's birthday. They were born in 1990, so I'd say they gotta be, they gotta be three going on four. I think they gotta, and I'm just thinking back to, you know, when Michelle was about this age, they don't give the boys that many lines, um, because they're still learning how to talk, and, um, I just think Michelle at this age, she could speak full sentences at age four. Heck, I think she could speak as full sentences at, like, age three. Not to put anything on Dylan and Blake. There's nothing wrong with them or anything like that. But it's just... I, I like... <laughs> the, the twins are adorable. They're so cute. I like their little bullish cuts. So Stephanie explains to DJ why they are, in fact, in the living room. She's like, look, DJ, I'm babysitting Nikki and Alex, and we're making a collage of zoo animals because I want to keep them from destroying the house because they need to be occupied with some type of task. And, of course, we come to DJ's face. She's like, yeah, right, uh-huh, zoo animals. As we look at the boys, and they got pieces of animal paper, um... Alex has got a picture of an otter on his forehead, and Nikki's got one on the side of his face and in his hair. Pictures of something. I can't tell what they are. Oh, and what is that supposed to Is that a rhino? Is that a bear? Bears don't have long tails. That's got to be a rhino. It's got to be. Alex has got a rhino on the bottom of his chin, and he's got something that I can't tell that's on the side of his face. Oh, there's a remote on the couch, so clearly when Joey comes in, he's going to grab that remote. So that's just there for that purpose. So I'm going to play this clip with the cold open. Hey, boys, now we have a bear, a camel, and an elephant. What (laughs) other animals did we see at the zoo? We saw hot dogs. Uh, Nikki, I was thinking more of animals we didn't put mustard on. What are you guys doing in here? We left a big number. I'm babysitting Nikki and Alex today, and we're making a collage of zoo animals. Do you want to see the animals? Miraculously, some have actually made it onto the paper. Look, let's get this place cleaned up, okay? The woman from the Scholarship Foundation is coming over to interview me this afternoon. This could help pay for my college, so you and the zoo crew, skidoo. Boy, her scholarships for Cranky State. She's a lock. Maybe she needs nap. But DJ is just so desperate to be able to, it's not so much getting into college, it's being able to afford college, which wouldn't, I remember, remember the episode, um, the big three O where Danny's car, um, bullet was, um, you know, 
fell off a bridge, dove into um, the sea or the ocean or whatever. And Danny is, like, kind of haggling for a car that he hasn't even looked at. And at one point, he's like, look, i got to send my daughters to college. So it's like, but I kind of get, I mean, if you can get a scholarship for college just to kind of help alleviate some of that uh, financial burden, um, you probably would want to. I mean, basically, isn't, I've never... You know, when I went to the one college for, like, a semester, I didn't go for scholarships. Even if I did, you know, I'm married, so I couldn't afford... Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, the, uh, Stephanie's like, wow, if she's, uh, applying for cranky school or something, then she's a lock. And Nikki and Alex both are like, yeah, she needs a nap. I like what DJ says, like, the scholarship lady's gonna be here, so you and the zoo crew skidoo. So Joey comes home from a college tour, uh, or a comedy tour of colleges and all that good stuff, and he makes a Yogi Bear reference. Hey, boo-boo, ha-ha, clear the track, Joey's back, that, that, back, excuse me. Um, we do see in the living room that DJ is kind of setting up shop there, making things look good. As far as fluffing the pillows, just making it a nice, comfy atmosphere so she and the scholarship lady can, hopefully she can just get that money. She needs that money for the college. Right, Quinny? Yeah? She need the money, right? Yeah. Why are you looking at me like that? What? You want the remote? You want to see the, the little things right there? Look, see, there's DJ and there's Joey. You're not even looking at the screen. I don't get it. So it kind of works out on Joey's part because, you know, he got back just in time from his college tour to uh, do the Super Bowl Sunday. His favorite day of the year. What, Christmas isn't your favorite day? Your birthday's not your favorite day? I kind of figure it makes sense. I mean, no one's going to be at the clubs listening to comedy when they can be home watching the Super Bowl. Well, of course, Joey is so wrapped in Super Bowl land that he can't see that DJ is just standing there rolling her eyes like, I can't believe i got to deal with this. Like, hey, there's just an hour until kickoff. I've only missed six hours of the pregame show. And she just is like, Joey, please turn the TV off. And he looks at her like, <laughs> yeah, right. Nice try. It's like, I just got off the road playing comedy clubs, and that is literally the funnest thing I've heard all week. Okay, so he's playing comedy clubs, not going to colleges to entertain college kids. So DJ tries to compromise with Joey, like, hey, why don't you go watch the, t- the Super Bowl in your room? He's like, hey, but you're not going to, because she says, I've claimed the living room for my scholarship interview. And she was like, what, you're not going to watch your dad and Aunt Becky have their first shot on national TV doing behind the behind the scenes? Which, that's pretty, that's got to be a pretty cool gig. Well, I mean, for those that watch the Super Bowl, or just someone that is, um a public figure or public personality. What you know, talk show people. I'm sure there's another name for them, but I can't think of it. And of course, Uncle Jesse is taping it so that way she can watch it later. Now if this were Now if this were the This Is Us and the Pearson home, you know how they love the Super Bowl. They are all about the Super Bowl. Big, big, big deal to them. DJ does not care. Joey, maybe you should fly out to Pittsburgh and go hang out with the Pearsons. 
You know, I was just kind of thinking about this. I had a conversation with a couple of my uh, podcast friends last night, and we were talking about, you know, growing up in the 90s. And the thing was, if you didn't get home in time to see something, or if you missed it somehow, you didn't see that episode. You just didn't see it. Until, of course... In the 2000s when stuff started, you know, shows started coming out on DVD, we had it, I mean, or maybe you would see them in reruns, but if you wanted to, like, watch a show from the very beginning, and it just, it just stings, it's like, I can't recall how, like, sometimes it's like, hey, it's Tuesday, Full House is gonna be on, like, if I'm out somewhere, it's like, we gotta get home, we gotta get home. And most of you are probably thinking, well, why didn't you just tape it? Well, unfortunately, I didn't have a VCR that really... The only Full House episode I can honestly tell you that ever taped off the TV when my um, VCR was able to do that was the Smash Club, The Next Generation, from like season 7. So let me tell you, it's uh, it was quite a while. When I... Um, started using my grandparents' VCR because they really didn't use it. And we got cable. I was, you know, taping stuff off the TV then. But by that time, I mean, Full House (laughs) was already over and done with. Not to say that I didn't watch the show in reruns, like, in the, like, around, like, 5 o'clock. But, um, it just, it stinks. It's like, if you don't get there, you're not gonna see it. And then you're gonna miss out on, uh, like, hey, did you catch the... Blah 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 last night. Can you believe it? I was like, uh. I'm sure Joey is just like, man, I get home from, you know, doing a, a comedy tour. I'm all excited. I get home in time to watch a Super Bowl on a decent sized TV, and now I'm regulated to my bedroom with my dink sized Bullwinkle television. Thank you, DJ. It's like, you could have the kitchen, you don't necessarily have to have it in the living room. She's just being very inconsiderate to those around her. And not only is she being inconsiderate, she's being very just straight up mean. And just like, go, 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 get out, get out, get out. If you think about it, Joe's got just as much right to be there as she does. I I honestly think right now, I think DJ's in the running for the um, worst outfit of the episode. Just because... I've said it before on other podcasts, nobody looks good in a turtleneck, and they don't. It's just, I don't like it. So I'm going to play this clip as she is berating Joey and just trying to convince him to go upstairs and just leave the living room unoccupied. DJ, you want to know, you know how many people are living in that house? A lot. At least 10 people. And you're trying to clear the living room to be an unoccupied space for this meeting. You should have just met the woman at, like, a coffee shop. This is just, it's, it's gonna, it's chaos. It's gonna be, it's crazy. You know this just isn't gonna work out for her. I mean, she, you know, she has a scholarship, but, uh, she didn't get into Stanford, that we know. Unless she eventually transferred there. I mean, she did get into Berkeley, which, uh, that's the, um, episode where Kimmy doesn't get into college and she runs off to, to Reno to marry Dwayne. Who you probably all would remember if you watched The Wonder Years in season 5 and 6. He played Wart Wayne, Kevin's older brother's friend. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> Clear the track. Joey's back. Yes! 
Super Bowl Sunday, my favorite day of the year. Huh, just an hour till kickoff time. I've only missed six hours of the pregame show. <laughs> Joey, turn the TV off. You know something, Deej? I just got off the road playing comedy clubs, and I gotta tell you, that is the funniest thing I've heard all week. <laughs> what I mean is, can't you watch the Super Bowl in your own room? I'm using the living room for my scholarship interview. You're not gonna watch the Super Bowl? Your dad and Aunt Becky have their first shot on national TV doing the behind-the-scenes reports. I know. Uncle Jesse's taping it for me so I can watch it later. Joey, please. Oh, brother. You know, it's a good thing I put new batteries in my Bullwinkle TV. <laughs> you get great reception on those antlers. Oh, uh, hors d'oeuvres. So while DJ goes off to get some hors d'oeuvres and Joey's about ready to head upstairs to watch his Bullwinkle TV that he just put fresh batteries in, Jesse and Michelle come down. So basically they're just waiting for Joey to get home. Why would they plan that on a date that he's going to be back? That just seems like he just got off the road for like, a, what, a week or so? Doing the comedy deal? The, the two of the clubs, the whatevers? If I got home, the last thing I want to do is be in charge of babysitting a bunch of eight-year-olds at a museum. And speaking of museums, remember the episode Don't Touch the Dinosaur? Or whatever, it's, I think that's what it's called. I'm surprised that Jesse is just so eager and excited to take the kids to a museum. And Michelle, of course, totally forgot what two seasons ago was it? When, or it was two seasons ago. Season six. Yeah, you know, that. Um, wait a minute. Oh, I hope they're not going to the same museum. I'm sure they got banned from that museum. They must be going to a different one. Maybe they're just not allowed in the dinosaur exhibit. So, Joey, dude, you gotta schedule that better, guy. Uh, what museums are open on Sundays? There, I'm sure there are some, but this apparently just slipped Joey's mind. Like, what kids? Because Jesse's like, the kids are gonna be here any minute. I'm glad you're home. Let's just, when they get here, let's just go. And Joey's like, what kids? I'm not watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of kids, Jesse. That Bullwinkle TV's only so big. They're eight years old. I would say 98% of them are not interested in the football game. I don't think any of them are. Even Aaron. I thought Danny had a... T we haven't seen Danny's room in ages. Um, didn't he have a TV in there? I'm surprised. I thought Joey had a TV in his... Well, he's not downstairs in the apartment anymore either, is he? No. He's Come on, guy. You can't tell me that there's only one TV in that whole entire house. Because that is bogus. Bogus, bogus, bogus. It's not true. Joey, you make enough money you can get a decent size, like, 20-inch television in your room? Okay, Michelle's like, Joey, remember how you promised you'd take me and my friends, or her science club? Um, I have a question about the science club. Is it ordain- is it, um sanctioned by the school is it a school function because if or is this just a hey kids let's start a science club Derek Aaron and Teddy and you other random children that don't have names for this episode because <laughs> if this is a school sanctioned activity or club then the school needs to be doing this not 
parents just dropping their kids off at, you know, it's the Tanner house. It's fine. Don't worry. They do stuff. They volunteer all the time. It's not a big deal. And they can get all our kids out of our hair for the afternoon so we can all watch the Super Bowl. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago. You didn't think maybe to let him know before the tour. Like, oh, Joey, don't forget, okay? The day you get back, we're taking the kids to the museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, bye. And then he comes, like, oh, no. No, that is something, if that's a, a thing that you would be bringing that up, especially Michelle, if she's so jazzed about the science club and going to see, like, different science-y things, telescopes and whatnot, that she'd be like, like, I can't wait, we're going to go to the museum in a month, I can't wait, in two weeks we're going to the museum, it's going to be so great. What do they have, um, Michelle wearing? They, <laughs> let me, I gotta rewind it. Wait till she's standing. What is she wearing? Because we don't see it until she actually sits on the couch. It's like overalls and is this like leggings, tights, under? It's like overall shorts. They got Mary Kate or Ashley in some baggy clothes too. It's like, come on. I remember when they always put DJ in really baggy, like, XL-sized clothes when she was, like, 13, 14. They get it, kids grow and stuff like that, but they don't grow that fast. I mean, the clothes are, like, just hanging off of her. I'm sure that, yeah, mm. Anyway, Jesse says, don't worry, I'm taping it, you know, for DJ, and then that way we can fast forward through all the other hoopla poopla and actually watch what I want to watch, which is my wife and brother-in-law doing the commentary and the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, the good stuff. And Joey's like, what, Jess, are you referring to the actual game itself as junk? Jesse's like, yeah. And I'm just thinking, this doesn't sound like Jesse. Um, remember when Cousin Steve came to visit and they were all playing the football in the park? I mean, you know, touch football and all that stuff. He, maybe he's like, oh, I'll play like football in the park, but I don't want to watch it. So Joey's like, no, Jess, I don't want to watch it on tape. I want to watch it live. That's the whole point. And he kind of, Joey likens this to how Jesse can't watch Viva Las Vegas without a deep fried peanut butter and banana sandwich, which I guess is a, a favorite of Elvis's. It kind of makes me think of when I used to watch uh, the movie Angela's Ashes um, when I was in... Um, late high school years and I'd always get like the salt and vinegar Pringles or the Gardettos and I don't know it's almost like the things kind of went hand in hand like I'd always have like with the Simpsons um I'll like have Gardettos or I'll like eat ice cream or something like that I mean that's with Simpsons, it's kind of like, because it's a TV show, it's not a movie. It, I can have, like, whatever, but usually I go for, like, the Gardettos or I go for the ice cream. Or, uh, recently, the Combos. They have this limited edition flavor. I gotta see if I can find some more bags of it. It's, um, spicy honey mustard. It's so good. It just kind of makes you think, you know, things that go hand in hand. Like, oh, I want to eat this while watching, you know, eating pizza or something like or I can't watch this movie without, like, this special type of popcorn. So whoever was on the writing staff was into the whole uh, rhyming. As Jesse's like, hey, 
Drop the remote, zip up your coat, and let's go. And DG with the whole you and the zoo crew skadoo. So Joey does not want to get up from that couch. He's like, dude, I, I don't know how long of a car ride he had or whether he was driving, but he just got back. Let him chill for a day. The museum is going nowhere. It's still going to be there next Saturday or Sunday unless somebody burns it down or something or... I don't know if Mike happens. I don't know, but it'll still be there. The stuff is not going anywhere. Is there a special exhibit that's only Super Bowl Sunday related? Or that it's only going to be on that day? Like, we have to go. It's not going to be here. They're going to take everything away. Uh, this exhibit's going to be over. We have to see this. Spe- but it's not. It's not a specific exhibit that needs to be seen on that day. It's like, Michelle, I know I promised you, and I know I'm going back on my promise of taking you, but I'm like, yeah, he's like, can't you just take them yourself, Jesse? This episode is all about be- people just being inconsiderate. I think Jesse and Michelle are being inconsiderate with Joey, even though he did promise, like, two or three months ago. DJ's being very inconsiderate and rude to her family by constantly kicking them out of the living room or the kitchen. Like, DJ, pick a place. You get the kitchen or you get the living room. You cannot have both. So Jesse's like, what? Take these kids? And immediately the door just flies open as these, like, eight kids just zip in there like they just like downed a, a couple Kool-Aid packets straight up with the powder. They just downed a giant like two foot tall pixie stick. I think I told it on the podcast once. I had one of those when I was 14. I swear I was so constipated after. It wasn't It wasn't good. <laughs> oh. Pixie sticks. The only kids I recognize, other than Michelle, because she, you know, is a tanner, uh, we got Derek, we have Teddy, we have Aaron, no Denise, and no Lisa. We have an adorable little Asian boy, a brunette girl, a blonde, a, I can't tell him, African American, maybe, um, an, an Asian girl who I feel so bad because they cut her hair. I just, like, it just looks like the girl does not want to have, like, it's not a bowl cut, but it's just, it's like almost like a a Dutch boy haircut in a way, and I just, I don't know. But the kids are grabbing onto Jesse's, like, yanking on his coat. These kids are eight years old. They're acting like they're, like, maybe four or five. You know what they're acting like? They're acting like the kids that Danny and Jesse took to the museum in the first, you know, museum outing and Don't Touch the Dinosaur. And he's like, yeah, me take these knee-nimbling, ankle-biting rugrats by myself. I don't think so. There's a total of ten children here. So five for Jesse and five for Joey. Oh, my God. Michelle, of course, comments to um, Aaron that you, like, you guys are late. You know, we should have left, like, five minutes ago. And, of course, Aaron has to uh, shame Derek's mom because she couldn't get the minivan over the speed limit. And I agree with Derek as he's like, mother's driving record is blemish-free and she intends to keep it that way. It's like, come on. Well, you had like 
nine kids in your vehicle. I can imagine it's a minivan. I can imagine all that compounded weight is going to slow down your vehicle no matter how fast you go. But what is Derek's mom doing that she couldn't take the kids? Or is it because this is a school-sanctioned function or club that Jesse and Joey are the ones that are the approved chaperones for this? You know, anytime they need to go on a trip somewhere to a science, you know, museum or whatever, that they are the designated ones that, they're the ones on the list. We can't let any other parents unless they are approved by the school to take the kids. <laughs> I like when Derek says that about his mom, you know, in her, her driving record, that <laughs> Aaron just looks so affronted. the. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> but Teddy's the one like, hey, I hear, heard the museum has a new super powerful telescope. What's super powerful mean? Enhanced? If you stick your hand in front of it, which you probably couldn't do this thing so long, you could probably, like, see, like, all the, like, blood vessels in your hand stick out and your hand looks see-through like oh my gosh I can actually see the blood moving in my veins in my hand oh it's so cool so of course Aaron's like well gee if it's anything like the telescope my dad has it's probably all you can see are stewardesses lying by a pool um so I'm guessing Aaron's dad is a pilot maybe I don't know of course Jesse's like wow um Aaron that was more of a then I needed to know about your disturbing home life. And now it kind of gives me a little eye opener into why you are the way you are. Uh, I really think that Der uh, Derek, <laughs> no, Derek's got a beautiful life, beautiful life. Aaron, on the other hand, he sounds like he comes from a troubled home. But if you'll remember from the episode, from the episode, girls just want to have fun where Kimmy has DJ helper babysit Aaron Bailey who's probably about four or five at the time. And he comes from a decent home. I mean, it's not like he lives in a... something or other. I mean... So, Jesse's like, all right, kids, let's let's go. The museum waits for no person. So, uh, Joey, of course, is like, wait, wait a minute. I can't believe no one wants to, wants to watch the Super Bowl. They're eight. No, they don't want to watch the Super Bowl. I don't watch the Super Bowl. That's because I choose not to. I'm not a sports person. The sports I watch are 90s sports movies like Little Giants, Mighty Ducks, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year. Why do I feel like I'm missing one in there? Uh, the Big Green. Those are my sports. That's what I watch. Even in mentioning it's the most important football game of the year. Shows like Joey, don't try to weasel out of this, okay? And Jesse's like, yeah, it's a no weasel zone. I gotta say, by season eight, Jesse's sideburns just look really ratty and overgrown, like a bush that just needs to be like evened out. Joey's going, or Joey, Je Jesse's going to bat for the kids, saying, "Look, we promised these kids science and fun, and that's what we're gonna deliver." Like, look at these innocent faces. See them, of course. We have Aaron, who's just glowering daggers 
at Joey, and Jesse's all like, oh, except this one here, let me cover his face. <laughs> My God, it is like snarling. Is he like the demon? He's like Baby Gage from Pet Cemetery after he comes back from the Pet Cemetery. Joey tries to get them to settle for a compromise. Like, hey, how about I take you to a place that's also fun and enlightening where you can learn something? Oh, Joey, I'm glad you're back. The kids are going to be here any minute. Kids? I'm not watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of kids. That Bullwinkle TV is only so big, Jess. You promised to take my science club on a field trip today. I did? Yeah, we both <laughs> did. Months ago, remember? Oh, Jess. <laughs> I didn't realize we were supposed to take him on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, don't worry about it. I'm taping it. That way we can uh, fast forward through all the boring junk and just watch Becky and Danny. <laughs> boring junk? You mean the game? Mm-hmm. Just no way. I can't watch sports on tape. Uh, it's like how you can't watch Viva Las Vegas unless you're eating a deep-fried peanut butter and banana sandwich. Oh, yeah, I see your point yeah. there. Come on, guys. You promised. Yeah, she's right. We did promise. So, uh, drop the remote, zip up your coat. We're going to the museum. Come on. Come on, Jess, wait a minute, please. Can't you just take the kids by yourself? Yeah! Oh, my God. Right, yeah, these, 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 these... You kids are eight, you like you're biting sick. Rug rats by myself? I think not. Stop touching the merchandise. Why is that late? Like it's our fault. Derek's mom won't get the minivan over the stupid speed limit. Mother's driving record is blemish-free, and she intends to keep it that way. Thank you very much. I heard the museum has a super powerful telescope. If it's anything like my dad's telescope, all you can see is a bunch of stewardesses lying around a swimming pool. On that disturbing insight into your home life, I think it's time to hit the road. Wait, 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 wait a second. I can't believe nobody wants to watch the most important football game of the year. They're eight. They don't want to watch football. Joey, don't try to weasel out of this. Yeah, Joey, this is a no weasel zone. Now, we promised these kids an afternoon of science and fun, and gosh darn it, that's what we're going to deliver. I mean, look at these innocent faces. Um, Except for this one here. This well, just covers his face. Oh, Aaron, you so deserve it. Well, what if there was a way where the kids could learn science and I could have fun? And they go to Weeb's sports bar. But Joey's like, look, kids, see? Look around you. This place is filled with science. As the kids are surrounding a bill or billiards pool table. Joey tries to... He's just, like, trying to come up with anything. Like, pulling it out of his bum. About science and billiards and just like, I want to stay here. I want to stay at this bar. Kids, here. Here's a bunch of quarters. Go play some arcade games. He's like, hey, it's just like a museum. And Michelle like grabs like a coaster that says, it's Weeb's Sports Grill, a pleasant alternative to your wife. Everyone, all the adults there are so occupied in either the game or just chatting that they don't see like 10 eight-year-olds surrounding a pool table. None of them are, like, hopping on a payphone, calling CPS, because they're close, because it's Sunday, um, <laughs> and reporting this, because this is, yeah. 
Lauren's had enough. And I'm sure all the other kids are like, yeah. He's like, hey, let's blow this pop stand. So, Jesse, for a second here, it's just like, kids, kids, all right, all right. Well, what did we talk about on, on the way over here? We said we give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Where's the science, Mr. Wizard, as he turns to Joey? Oh, my goodness. Leo, take this pool table here. You see, Newton's law, law of billiards, the amount of force upon impact has a direct relationship. The distance an object will travel. Oh, come on! Even Jesse is just, like, looking at Joey like he's like, What? How? I can't even fathom how we both share the same planet. Oh, God. I love Jesse's expression here. He, he was just, like, looking at Joey, like, so intently. And then he's, like, practically rolling his eyes to the heavens, like, Okay, um... I tried, kids. I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to be here any more than you do. So I'm going to play this clip. So you see, kids, this place is filled with science. It's just like a museum. No, it's not. It's Weed Sports Ground, a pleasant alternative to your wife. Kids, 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 now we said we'd give them the benefit of the doubt, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Where's the science, Mr. Wizard? Why, it's, it's, uh, it's right under your noses. Um, take this pool table, for example. Newton's Law of Billiards. You see, the amount of force upon impact has a direct relationship to the distance an object will travel. <clears throat> and that, my friends, is science. this long enough. You, me, the kids, we're all going to the science. Wait, 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 wait a sec, Jess. Come on, the game's going to start any minute. Can't you just watch the kids for three hours? But you would give it up, man. They don't want to be here. All right. Uh, kids, do you want to play free games for the next three hours? Yeah! See, they want to be here. Okay, I don't want to be here. Jess, come on, please. Uh, I'll never ask for another favor again. I, I promise. Ever have to tape Muppet Babies for you again? Never. And when you have a bad dream at night, from now on, I'll holler out Danny's name. Come on, Jess, please, please. We'll get more sleep. Great. All right, kids, you want to play some games? Yeah! Hey, Weeb, give me 40 bucks and quarters. Uh, Jess, can I have 40 bucks? Change for 40. Great. Now, you watch the kids, I'll watch the game. All right. You are the kid. <laughs> so Jesse is just like, he's had it with Joey. Like, Joey, seriously, you've hassled us long enough. The kids don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. So Joey is practically on his knees begging, praying, begging at Jesse to let them just stay there and watch the game. Like, hey, kids, you want to play some video games? That sounds fun, right? You all like video games? So, Joey tells Jesse that he will never ask him for anything. And Jesse's like, okay, so I never have to tie, uh, tape uh, Muppet Babies. And 
when you have a bad dream at night? Um, <laughs> Joey's like, well, then I'll call out Danny's name. Well, it would make sense because Danny is practically right across the hall from Joey. Just two doors up. And, or one door up. And Jesse's in the attic. Like, he's got to worry about his own kids having nightmares. He doesn't need to deal with a 38-year-old man having nightmares. Jesse does, like, well, I guess I will get more sleep. All right. So Joey's like, hey, Weeb, give me 40 bucks and quarters. And then he turns to Jesse. Hey, can I uh, get some $40? <laughs> okay, now we're going to pay attention to the TV because... Danny and Becky are on there. Of course, Weeb's like, ooh, check out the babe on the on the TV. And Jesse's like, that's no babe, that's my wife. Can you imagine if you had a spouse that was like was on TV and stuff as a personality and you were like hanging out in um a bar or wherever or heard like Either one of the bar patrons or, heaven forbid, the bartender say, talk about like, oh, they look, that person's so attractive or they're so hot. How would you handle that situation? Would you speak up, say, excuse me, excuse me, that's my spouse? Or would you just not say anything? Or kind of liken that to like, if someone were married to a celebrity and the person's like always in the movies, you know that that's going to be someone's fantasy and stuff like that. People are always going to be like, oh, they're so cute. Oh, I like them. Oh, I wish I could be with them and stuff. <laughs> hey, check out the babe on the pregame show. Hi, I'm Danny Tanner. And I'm Rebecca Donaldson. And that's no babe, that's my wife. <laughs> we're here on special assignment at the Super Bowl. When there's a break in the action and you don't have to go to the bathroom... <laughs> We're going to take you on an eye-opening journey behind the scenes. That's right, Danny. Right behind this door is the control room for Joe Robbie Stadium state-of-the-art scoreboard. That's right, Becky. And We're going to go inside and give you an exclusive peek at what makes this computerized marble tick. <laughs> Who would have thought such a sophisticated piece of machinery could be run by a simple mop? Well, Danny, that doesn't seem to be the correct door now, does it? No, it doesn't, Becky. I believe the correct door would be down that car door where I suggested we go to in the first place. Well, Danny, I have a suggestion where you can go, but first, okay, let's go guys, back to Al, Danny. Relax. Oh, terrific job, Beck. You see, when she smiles, she lights up a whole... Bring on the sweaty football guy. Bring on the football guys. The guy... <laughs> I don't want weed space in my face. Jesse, this whole trip is totally bogus. Shelby Joe is obsessed with this football stuff. I mean, you think I want to be here with a bunch of loud mouth people? Jesse! Stop! These people could kill you! Who could, who could take this pool cue and turn me into a Jess kebab? Yeah. Shelby, uh, uh, run along. You, you don't want to be pretty. So, we see Danny and Becky. Of course, I guess they want to give, you know, those at home a behind-the-scenes eye-opening view as to the operating room, the cameras, the uh, t monitors and everything. Just what kind of makes you be able to see the Super Bowl on the screen and all that fun stuff. And they open what Becky thinks, like, oh, it's in here, it's in here. Danny opens it. It's basically a supply closet with a mop. He's like, look, I said we should have went down that corridor 
And Becky's like, you know, I have some suggestions where you can go. And it's like, guys, 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 you are on camera. You're being aired live. You save your spat for the drive home. But I'm sure they drove separately. Or maybe they drove together. I don't know. So it's like, uh, this is something that's going to continue. That they clearly didn't get Clarence to be there. What in the world? We gotta have... The, that's clearly gotta be plot C. Because this is going to be plot... This feels like this whole science club hoochie thing is um, plot A. DJ's college scholarship interview is plot B. And then Danny and... Becky is plot C, which there's not much to it. And of course, Michelle goes over to Jeff. Well, first, when the guy's like, hey, that woman's a babe. Check out the babe on the pregame show. And Jason's like, that's no babe. That's my wife. And of course, he, Jesse's like watching her. He's like, you know, when she smiles, she lights up a whole. And Weeb like gets in his face. Like, I don't care. Why are you talking to me? And then Michelle kind of, like, grabs onto Jesse's jacket. It's like, Uncle Jesse, this whole thing is completely bogus. And Jesse's like, sweetie, I understand. I get where you're coming from. I also don't want to be here. But I can't help it. Joey is obsessed with this football stuff. You think I want to be here with some, like, blockhead imbecile sports nuts? And it's like, Jesse! You need to check yourself at the door. These guys could kill you. One of them is holding a, a, a cue stick or whatever. The, is that what they're called in the pool? The game of pool? Cue sticks? Something like that? Yeah. You're going to wind up being a, uh, a Jess Kebab if you don't watch yourself. So now we go over to the kids who are also complaining as Derek says, Michelle, what is the probability of our science club actually learning something science-worthy? Or actually doing something science-related? You know, you could have just stayed at home and helped Nikki and Alex with their zoo collage. I mean, zoo, animals, science, it's all related. Animal science. There you go. I mean, they're going to watch the Nature Channel. You could have stayed home and helped the twins with their collage. Apparently, the kids are all out of quarters. That was 40 bucks. I got to, okay, there's what, 10 kids there? I want to divide this. I want to see how this is, but then again, those games probably cost, what, 50 cents to a buck per play? And maybe the kids just aren't, you know, maybe they're not big gamers. All right, so we got $40. We got to divide it against 10 kids. That's, is that right? That can't be right. That can't be right. $40 divided by 10. So, okay, so each kid gets $4. Okay, okay, that, okay. 4 times 40. Eh, 4 times 10. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, But, yeah, they're out of quarters. Dang, your kids went through that money fast. So Aaron's like, hey, let's ask your Uncle Slick for more. Where are the rest of the kids? Right now, all we're seeing are Aaron, Michelle, Derek, and Teddy. And out of the three kids, um, Teddy is dressed very sharply. He's got a, like, black and white design shirt with a black vest over the top of it. It's very sharp looking. I really like it. And of course, looks like he just dressed like he 
rolled out of bed and just picked up whatever he took off the night before. Derek, of course, looks very... Excuse me. He does have a prep vibe to him, just with the way that his hair is coiffed ever so and gelled. But it's he's got like a, a collared um, button-up denim shirt underneath. The collar's kind of poking out of a burgundy red, uh, yellow, and black striped sweater. They all look adorable, except for Aaron. He's I mean, he's okay, but he just, yeah, his home life. I'm more concerned about that. Of course, Michelle says now might not be a good time as Jesse is being manhandled by both the denim guy that we've seen in previous episodes and Weeb himself, who's decided not to pour drinks anymore, but he's actually got Jesse. No, the denim guy's practically got Jesse in a headlock with the cue stick across his chest. And Weeb's, like, got Jesse's other arm in, like, um, practically pulled behind his back. What is... Ugh. So for a uh, sports girl establishment, I mean, usually you walk into a bar, much like a casino, it's going to be dimly lit, smoke is going to be clouding the air to the point where you can't even breathe, which, of course, you know, those kids... Don't need to be in a bar. I remember one time I was... Well, I was older than Michelle. I was probably like maybe 10, 11. And my dad went to a bar. And I remember the movie Bonnie and Clyde being on the television. So yeah, I've been around my share of bars as a preteen slash teenager. The only thing I liked about it was the jukebox. And the food was pretty decent. So Jesse, of course, is like, gentlemen, I hate to bother you, but I seem to be losing all feeling below my hairline. Well, probably going to lose feeling in your arm the way that uh, old weeb there's got it twisted practically behind your back. That denim guy's got you in a headlock. So Jesse is like, hey, Joey, remind me to kill you later. And Joey is so like in the game, like, well, yeah, 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 I got it. Kill you later. Kill me later. Yep, yep, yep. Michelle, what is the probability of our science club actually doing something science-related? Yeah, let's do something scientific. Besides, we're out of quarters. Let's ask Eric a slick for more. Now might not be a good time. Gentlemen, I hate to bother you, but I, I seem to be losing all feeling b- below my hairline. Oh, good, that's better. Thanks, good, yeah, thanks. Hey, Joey, remind me to kill you later. Yeah, yeah, kill me later, great chest, sure. Idiot. Hey, there's nobody watching this TV. Let's turn to the science channel. It's 27. I memorized the entire cable lineup. <laughs> oh, here's the remote. Here we go. It's kickoff time. Kick off me. 
mischief, that's all. Just help me, okay? So the kids find the remote, they realize no one's watching this particular TV, however, they don't understand that just below that TV they're looking at is a stand that has basically your sound, your cable box probably, all your good stuff that it's going to connect, not just that TV, but all the other TVs that everyone are watching. Because they're all tuned to the same channel. I'm just thinking, for Weeb, Super Bowl Sunday is like his version of Black Friday. It's the biggest time of the year when he probably brings in the most amount of money. And now these kids are going to mess with that. Like, hey, let's turn the channel on this TV. And of course, they want to turn it to the Science Channel, which has got a bird nature show on there. Michelle's like, yeah, I, I, ma I managed to memorize the entire cable channel lineup so they're in the city so pretty much it's the same channel everywhere you go uh, they turn the channel and of course how funny all the channels are changing because it's right before they do the kickoff as the game is going and everyone's like yes it's kickoff time here we go all of a sudden boom we got two birds that look like one is like doing a little mating dance and it's like excuse me where's the football what happened to the game? They turn. You see Derek, Teddy, Aaron, and Michelle. All like, oh no, we've been caught. Aaron's like, Aaron's just up for a good time. As he's got the remote in his hand, like, come and get it, fun boys. As he, these people cannot chase this boy. And he ends up taking the remote and just dropping it right behind the cabinet, the shelf shelving unit that holds all the uh, sound equipment, cable, box, all that good stuff. And now Joey and Jesse are like, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it, we'll get it, we'll get it. And they are turning, because the remote was dropped behind it, and it's such a heavy thing, because it's probably made of oak, and it's got all those, you know, the cable box, the sound, surround sound thing, and all that stuff. So, they're like, nudging it to the point where it just tips over. I'm like, all you gotta do is slowly just push it away from the wall where you can just reach your hand back there. Shouldn't be a problem. Or, or, here's another thought. Take that cue stick, use it like a little nudger, get it behind the thing. I mean, the space is big enough that the remote was able to fall back there, am I right? Right. So get the cue stick, take it, push it out and you're golden problem solved am i right but then again if this thing didn't happen if all the tvs didn't just go boom they're black there's nothing there we wouldn't get the whole fun hilarity of them all going over to the tanner house to watch a super bowl and um i have a question 
when we first go to Weeps, the 10 kids are surrounding that pool table. Right now, all I see are Michelle, Teddy, Derek, and Aaron. Where are the other kids? The bathroom? Maybe they're, I mean, they said they were out of quarters. So, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're trying to get on the payphone, call Collect Home, and say, Mom, um, we were supposed to go to the museum, but these two guys, um, that were supposed to take us, took us to a bar, and I'm sure their parents are like, uh, you are coming home right now. Actually, um, I think the kids end up going back to the Tanner house, along with Michelle, Derek, Aaron, and Teddy. Of course, um, we can't go to the Tanner house yet, because when... Jesse and Joey knock over that cabinet full of uh, electronics. Weeb comes over there and he's basically like, I'm going to go to Pound Town on your faces. And Jesse's like, you know, Joey, I think I'm going to ask them to kill you first. That way I will be able to watch because this is all your fault. And of course we get Joey like trying to like change the channel, <laughs> like aiming it at uh, Weeb and then just throwing it and just like hits off his chest. The, the people there are so angry, they're little, literally growling like wolves. Cornering them like Jesse and Joey are like little bunnies, and they're wolves ready to attack. Well, apparently we don't get to the Tanner house just yet, because now everyone's going to start shrieking, and poor Weeb is getting angry. Well, actually angry to the point where he just starts bursting into tears. Like, this is the biggest day of my... My business and everything. I bring in so much money and then I can just close up shop and retire for a month. This was supposed to pay off my credit card bills and my car that I just bought. <laughs> now, if you remember, there's a certain Super Bowl that happened in 2004. The sh uh, show with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. I only heard about it. I didn't see it. So, um, this person put up a video. I want to see if maybe I can see what happens. This wardrobe malfunction, as it was called. Okay, so I did actually watch the video and I saw it happen. I'm like, oh my god! Because I'd never seen it when I'd only heard about this. Um, I can't even tell what Super Bowl this Like, is that XXX supposed to be like, um, uh, 30... Hey, Jeremy! What was the Super Bowl in 2004 called? What? The Super Bowl um, from 2004? The Super Bowl! Well, I can't read Roman, no, Roman, no, Roman numerals. X, 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 V, I, I, I. I'm sorry, 38. 38. X, 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 V, I, I, I. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's 38. Okay. No, I was just, I watched the video of Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. I oh. only heard about it, so I hadn't actually seen it. And someone actually had a video of it. I'm like, okay, I gotta see it. It's 38. I know. Houston, Texas, this happened. Wow. Shut up! <laughs> Go away! Go away! Get out of the hallway! Go away! Go away! Bye! So basically, okay, so it is 38. The halftime show at Super Bowl 38, which was broadcast live on February 1st, 2004, from Houston, Texas, on the CBS 
television network, notable for a moment in which Janet Jackson's breast, adorned with a uh, nipple shield, um, was exposed by Justin Timberlake to the viewing public for approximately half a second. The incident, sometimes referred to as Nipplegate, led to an immediate crackdown and widespread widespread debate and perceived indecency in broadcasting. So, yeah. So we got ten best and two worst uh, halftime performances. We got Prince from February 7th, 2000, February 4th, 2007 in Miami. We got Michael Jackson, January 31st, 1993. In Pasadena, California. Beyonce, Destiny's Child, February 3rd, 2013. In New Orleans, we got Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. In Houston, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, February 1st, 2009. In Tampa, Florida, Lady Gaga, 2017. In Houston, we got U2, February 3rd, 20. O two in New Orleans. We got Katy Perry, Lenny Kravitz, Missy Elliott, February first, twenty fifteen in Arizona. Madonna, Cirque du Soleil, Nicki Minaj, CeeLo Green in two thousand twelve in India, Indianapolis. Who else we got? We got Bruno Mars, Hot Red Hot Chili Peppers, Feb second, twenty fifteen, New Jersey. Worst performances. Um, who? Is this supposed to be the worst? Um, let's see. Nothing beats the Who's feeble 2010 performance for Super Bowl something or other at Miami Sun Life State, where the wardrobe malfunction involved Pete Townsend's beer belly sticking out during one of the trademark windmill guitar moves. The other has to be re- reformed Blues Brothers with John Goodman sitting in for the long-deceased John Belushi at Super Bowl XX. X1, so it's going to be like 31 at New Orleans Superdome in 97, even with James Brown doing Sex Machine and ZZ Top belting out Tush. Those are songs? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, real quick. Um, This is going to be one of the weirdest Super Bowl commercials I've ever witnessed. Um, Puppy Monkey Baby Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> this is from 2016. They say that all publicity is good publicity. If this is really the case, the Mountain Dew must be feeling really good about itself this morning. The soda company ran what most consider have to have been the strangest commercial of Super Bowl 50, which is saying a lot considering the NFL aired. A lot uh, commercials sent around kids singing about their parents having sex. Whoa! What? That's gross. Um, didn't see that commercial. <laughs> But Mountain Dew spent its millions of dollars on a spot on a spot that introduced the company's new drink Kickstart, infusing the nightmares of viewers around the world with the image of a pug dressed up like a monkey who is wearing a diaper and who is dressed up like a baby. We really wish we were making this up. Oh my god, that is some creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. Of course, there's always, is it the Budweiser commercial that does the one with the, like, the little golden retriever or lab puppy and the, um, Clydesdale horses that are always so cute? Alright, let's get back to this episode. I'm sorry, I wasted so much time on that. Babe, it's like Super Bowl Sunday, my biggest day of the year! You guys wreck the TVs. I wouldn't be surprised if you'd be charging them to get him new TVs. 
to shut his mouth and um, not say things in, on Super Bowl Sunday in a crowded bar with everyone that's a big smart sports not probably bigger than Joey. Like, oh, oh, it's okay, Weeb. Weebala. It's just a silly game. And of course, Weeb stops crying, glares at Jesse. It's like, I, love, I broke 11 bones playing that game. Playing that silly game. And Jesse's like, oh, uh, did it hurt? And Weeb just looks at him and says, I don't know. They weren't mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> Michelle, sweetheart that she is, like, since you can't watch the game, would you like to come with us to the, mu- the science museum? And of course, denim j- jacket guys all like, that's great, sweetie. We would love, you know, that way we can stuff and mount these clowns. <laughs> and Jesse and Joey are all like, no, no, no stuffing, no mounting, as they're cowering and fearing for their lives. Um, Joey's got an idea, and the idea is bring everybody to the Tanner house so he can live to see tomorrow. So, DT has prepared watercrest sandwiches, which are also known as a tea sandwich. Also referred to as a finger sandwich, is a small prepared sandwich meant to be eaten at afternoon tea time to stave off hunger until the main meal. Alright. Bread is traditionally white, thinly sliced, and buttered. The bread crust is cut away cleanly from the sandwich after the sandwich has been prepared before serving. Uh, Variation might include wheat, pumpernickel, sourdough, or rye bread. Okay. Fillings are light and are dainty or delicate in proportion to the amount of the bread. Spreads might include butter, cream cheese, mayonnaise mixtures, and the sandwiches often feature fresh vegetables such as radishes, olives, cucumbers, asparagus, watercress, which watercress is 95% water and has low contents of carbohydrates, protein, fat, dietary fiber. Uh, interesting. Okay, let's move on from that. Here is the clip of Joey coming in. To DJ, who just set down a plate of watercress sandwiches, not watercrest like I thought. And of course, the f- football guys come in, and immediately denim jacket guys like, "Ooh, watercress sandwiches, just like Mom used to make." And he goes to pop one in his mouth, and DJ like, "Hey, stop! That's not for you." The lady still hasn't shown up. DJ. How'd your interview go? I don't know. I haven't had it yet. The woman from the scholarship fund called. She's going to be late. Ooh, late. Late is bad. Time on the tune! 
well, they're here because they want to see the game, and uh, I want to see the rest of my life. Some field trip. Hey, what are you guys doing back so soon? Ask her. She promised us the museum, but all we've seen is a lot of wet barges. But this is my give a fun day. I believe the blame rests squarely upon the shoulders of our adult chaperones. Kids, I'm a grown up, I should know more than you. But you don't. <laughs> Aaron. Well, I, I know your parents would have a lot more spending money if you were in a crate on your way to Siberia. Mm. Why don't you teach them to climb the stairs, okay? My Anna Beaver's gonna be here any minute, please. Then go into the kitchen, the DJ. You and can't Joey, have the whole house. Joey, get these people into the kitchen. DJ, are you out of your mind? There's no TV in there. What are we gonna watch? The freezer? <laughs> Okay. Love how when DJ asks who these people are, because everyone from the bar is there, and they all crowd around the television, on the couch, in the chairs, and of course Joey's like, "Well, they uh, want to see the game, and I frankly want to see the rest of my life." So the kids also come in and just complain about the fact that they want to do something science related because as Michelle points out the point of our science club is we have to learn something and Jesse's like and I will teach you something I mean I'm an adult I should know more than you and Aaron of course is like but you don't and I love Jesse's response I love their banter when they get in the same room together <laughs> Aaron you know your parents would have so much more spending money if you were on a crate to Siberia or you just didn't exist <laughs> yeah so this really irritates the heck out of me I don't like DJ this episode she's just gets on my nerves cause she's like oh well Jesse teach the kids to climb the stairs and get them out of here Joey take these people and get them to the kitchen and Joey's like, DJ, there is no TV in the kitchen. What are you going to do? Watch the freezer? Because apparently she needs the living room. Why? You have two rooms in that house. You could sit in the backyard. You're in California for crying out loud. It's not like it's winter time. You could sit on the porch and have an. It doesn't have to be at a kitchen table. It doesn't have to necessarily be in. The living, get, go downstairs to the, in the basement in the studio. You have a plethora of options. It doesn't matter where the interview takes place. And the lady's already running late anyway. I'm surprised she didn't just cancel. And clearly if your interview is running late, then clearly there's either an emergency or she just doesn't want to do the interview any more than you want to, the interview to happen. Well, DJ's just so desperate. wants to get that money to get into college. It's, it's very important. Of course, who's in the kitchen at the table but Stephanie, as she continues teaching Nikki and Alex all about the wildlife and the zoos. And let's talk about animals that move in herds. Can you think of any others? And, of course, everyone takes the TV and that's on a moving cart into the kitchen. Oh, it's any other animals that travel in packs, not herds. Okay. 
course, Weave is like, hey, look, it's that clown again. <laughs> As we cut to the TV and see Becky and Danny there. And Danny's all like, thanks for the second chance, guys. So are we actually going to see something or are you going to cause more issues? Like a blaring alarm. Of course, Stephanie's like, that's no clown. That's my dad. Found the scoreboard that's printed on this door and it says authorized personnel only. So Danny goes to open the door. Of course, it's locked. And there's a big old alarm that's right above the door that starts blinking red and just going off like it's a fire alarm. And apparently, like, they were going to take the scoreboard guys out to dinner or something as a thank you for letting them see the, the, the scoreboard area where the magic happens. And then we get security chasing them down. So what second chance exactly did you get? Or are you just talking to your camera people? I don't know. So, yeah, well, the alarm's going off and Danny's like, well, you know, I guess we weren't as authorized as we thought we were. Well, let's send it back to you, Al, Frank, and, um, uh, uh, and Becky's like, uh, Dan. It's Dan. <laughs> and <laughs> Danny's like, uh, D- Dan, yeah. So, of course, now Becky and Danny give into another fight as they're like, hey, I thought you were supposed to get clearance, Danny. What's up with this? And Danny's like, no, you were supposed to get the clearance. I made the dinner reservations. So, we got some security guards that run after Danny and Becky. Just stay there and explain the situation. You're reporters. You wouldn't be there if you... You wouldn't even be able to get into the building, I don't think, without an access code or a... a personnel person that's there to let you inside the building, right? 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 Just explain it. One of those guys, one of those security guards is just going face on it. Like, whoa there, you look like you're uh, and growling. And of course, Weeb turns to Stephanie. It's like, that joker's your dad? And of course, <laughs> Stephanie's like, oh, you fell for that. That's my dad joke. <laughs> and she goes for the whole, got your nose, got your nose. <laughs> uh, it's like, and I said, we've got a sense of humor, at least with Stephanie. And of course, Nikki and Alex say, that is your dad, though. And Stephanie's like, shut up. That's also your mom. And they're like, shh. Hey, our collage has antelopes and zebras. Can you guys think of any other animals that travel in packs? No. I mean, yes. Oh, it's day. Joey brought some friends over to play. It's a clown again. Thanks for the second chance, guys. That's no clown. That's my dad. Well, as you can see, we finally found the scoreboard, and it's clearly marked authorized personnel only which is exactly what we are so why don't we take an authorized peek inside danny this is exciting <laughs> um, well i guess we're not as uh, authorized as we thought we were so uh while we straighten this out why don't we throw it back to you uh al frank dan, dan. i thought you got clearance your job was clearance i made the dinner reservations Joker's your dad? <laughs> uh, no, no. See, you 
you guys fell for the old, that's my dad routine. <laughs> Better watch your old, get your nose. Oh, look, there it is. <laughs> you lovable looks are just too darn easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. boys, let's go upstairs. That was your dad. Shut up. <laughs> that was also your mom. So Stephanie takes the collage and the twins upstairs to work on that. Now we're going to move upstairs as Jesse is teaching the children about proper conditioning and how conditioning is also science. So, so you see, kids, it's simple science, okay? I mean, if you get the proper pH balance in your shampoo, when you get to this stage, you see, your scalp should be, what, Derek? Tingling like pins and needles. Precisely. Okay. Always use the fingertips to massage in the shampoo. Never the butt of the hand, you see? Fingertips, yes. Butt, Derek? No. Correct. This concludes our little scientific presentation. Kids, what have you learned today? That Joey's the smart one. <laughs> okay. At least he's watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, who cares how split and split? It is shot. Let's go downstairs and watch the game. We can watch Derek Shampoo anytime. But kids, kids, if I can stress anything, it's condition. It really is. Condition, condition, condition. Jesse's all talking about proper scalp maintenance, getting the proper pH balance in your shampoo and all that fun stuff. And I love how <laughs> Michelle and Aaron are sitting on Michelle's bed with Comet in between them. This is Comet 2.0, by the way, the one that took over the role of Comet 1.0. Well, actually, no, this would be Comet 3. Wait, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4? 4.0? Because we had Puppy Comet when they first picked him out. We had Puppy Puppy Comet that's like 10 to 12 weeks old. We had 5 to 6 month old Comet in um, uh, the Honey I Broke the House. Then we had Comet from seasons 4 until 7. Now we have Comet 4.0, who is the Comet for all of season 8. Oh, Jesse's got like a little uh, pointer thing that a teacher would use. And he's like, alright, when your scalp gets to, when your hair gets to this level, your scalp should be what, Derek? And Derek's like, Tingling like pins and needles. Exactly. And then, of course, Jesse is instructing on how to properly wash the hair. Fingers, not palm. Fingers, not palm. Not the butt end, but the fingers. How many of these kids at age eight? I mean, what is the proper age where kids actually started washing their own hair? I think, honestly, I was probably around this maybe nine years old. I know I was pushing it, but um, 
And honestly, I gotta say, Uncle Jesse, if you want to wash and shampoo and shower and condition my hair or whatever, you are more than... Have at it. Have at it. I would pay you happily to wash my hair and condition my hair for me. He has got the magic touch, the magic fingers. I could just picture myself being Derek sitting in that chair as Jesse just uses his magic fingers on my scalp. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to the episode. Scientific presentation. He's like, all right, kids, what have you learned today? And of course, Aaron's like, well, that Joey's a smart one. At least he's watching the Super Bowl. We're just... And even Teddy's like, yeah, we can watch Derek shampoo his hair anytime. I mean, who cares how split and split. And even Michelle's like, the day's shot. Let's just watch the game. And I'm just like, kids, you couldn't just go home. You don't gotta... Unless they're all waiting for Derek's mom to come and get them and the parents are at home. Like, oh, you're going to the museum for a few hours? Great. I'm going to go hot tubbing or something like that. Or spending time with your spouse or or their spouse. Or I'm sorry. What I meant is they're just going to have a parents are going to have a day. Their kids are at the museum or so they think. Um, I can imagine that they're going to be getting a lot of phone calls. Like, excuse me, um, my son and... Damien just said that he you took him to a bar. Yes, my daughter Sarah just said that you took her to a bar instead of the museum. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable about leaving my child in your care from now on. I'm sorry. Click. Now the kids come down and of course Derek's just sitting there. Like, what about me? Comet, of course, the kids, Comet's still sitting on Michelle's bed. So he's like, but I, I'm still interested about this conditioning. Isn't there an episode where, um, yeah, Jesse said something like, that's the last time I loan you my cream rinse, Comet. <laughs> and the kids all come downstairs and uh, Teddy's like, hey, where are those guys? You know, the ones with no lives. They're all in the kitchen. And DJ's like, Uncle Jesse, you're supposed to keep the kids upstairs. What are you doing? And Jesse's well, you know, they spend two to three hours on their homework. And you try to, you know, educate them on good conditioning and shampoo and all that stuff. And they look at you like you're a nutball. And DJ just is like, and he's like, see, that's the look right there. She's like, just send them into the kitchen. I'm like, DJ, you need to take a chill pill. Seriously. You're acting like this scholarship lady is going to help you get into Stanford. You're not getting into Stanford. Give it up. I would just say, <laughs> at this point, I'm like, I hope you don't get that scholarship money because you don't deserve it for your attitude the whole episode. You really, really don't. It just kind of makes me think, like, season eight, it's like, I don't know why, but they just seem to make DJ just seem semi-unlikable-ish a little bit. I don't know. I think maybe it's just this episode and she's just getting on my nerves to the point of my nerves are raw now because she's, uh, yeah. She's rubbed them too raw. That's what happened. Derek comes down. His towel is wrapped around his head like a woman who just got out of the shower. And he's like, I seem to have been left high and not quite dry. And she's like, go, 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 go. I'm like, oh, DJ, I don't like you right now. Derek is so adorable. I love Derek. So the kids all get situated, whether they're sitting on some of the bar patrons' lap or, or sitting on the floor. DJ, of course, is hustling Derek in there. And now it's like, oh, Michelle goes to look out the, the door there in the backyard. And we got the scholarship lady who's there. 
It's like, <sighs> I was like, oh, that this lady's out here. So I was like, DJ's like, go, 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 get in the living room. patrons are all moving into the living room. Weave has picked up Aaron, and it's funny, Miko Hughes plays Aaron, and it's just funny the way that 
uh, Weave's got him tucked under uh, his arm like a football. And just, I like how Miko Hughes, clearly he's like just improvising or having a, as he's just like throwing his arms out like he's Superman. Like, look at me. (laughs) I'm flying. (laughs) As Weave was uh, taking Aaron into the living room, Jesse, of course, is like wiping the back of Weave's head, like clearing more like lint rolls off his, or lint pieces off his neck rolls or something like okay so dj does a quick um let's rip this tablecloth off this kitchen table and throw this bag of open cheese puffs and solo cups and other nonsense with uh some newspapers just throw it all down into the studio down the stairs it goes and she hold on hold on hold on she opens the door Norma Bedrosian. Okay. And of course, DJ introduces herself as DJ Tanner. And Norma says she parked in the back. I'm like, we've seen vehicles parked in the back before, but it's just weird because when you look at the front of the house, there's just, the houses are so closely packed together. There's barely any room to even look like you can get to the backyard unless you go through the house itself to get there. Apparently, uh, they, someone scored a touchdown or something because the men and the kids are all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ's like, excuse me for a second. She goes through the door and says, shut up. It's like, DJ, DJ, you can't have it both ways. You either get them in the living room having a good time and you get the kitchen, but you can't have the kitchen and tell them to shut up. I... Oh, 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 I can't stand it. You're getting on my nerves, girl. You're getting on my nerves. And the look on Norma's face is not one of like, what is, like, what is, I think in the back of my mind, like, that's a Super Bowl party. I, I hear that noise. I know what that is. I know what today is, too. She says her car broke down. She'd be like watching the game if her car hadn't have broken down. And she does sit down with DJ at the table and just says, hey, look, um, we only take students that are really serious. A lot of kids think that they can just go off to college and it's a big party. DJ's like, well, I don't party. I don't know anyone that parties. Boom. In walks Kimmy with a kiss the football player something or other shirt. I'll read it when she comes in. And she's got like this, like tan hat that's got like little like molded hands holding a football so she's all decked out in her super bowl gear and she's like hey how's it going i didn't know you're throwing a super bowl party dj and of course it's like this is an interview granted it's just done at the most inappropriate time and just very inconvenient for all involved but it's even more inconvenient and appropriate that kimmy who sees dj talking to this business type woman like hey oh you're the scholarship babe yeah hey look if you got some spare money why don't you throw a little my way you know what i'm saying and it's like kimmy even dj's like do i know you because norma's like do you know this lady who is this girl and he's like, well, I don't know. Well, Kimmy sits herself right down at the table and says, oh, me and DJ, we're, we go way back. We're best. We're like spam and tang. And DJ's like, spam out. Out, out, get out, get out, get out. Like, me and Norma here, we're deciding the, my future, my life. And 
Norma finally catches on and she asks DJ, is, do you happen to have a Super Bowl party going on out there? And she's like, oh, well, no, I don't watch football. I don't like parties. I, I don't do any of that. And of course, Norma's like, oh, wow, that's too bad. You know, if my car hadn't have broken down, I would have canceled this appointment so I can watch the Super Bowl. I love football. I love it. I live and breathe it. DJ's just trying to be so schmoozy, like, oh, you didn't let me finish. I love football, too. You do not. You do not. You do not. I hate fake people. I hate fake people like DJ's acting right now. She's just trying to smooth the lady to get as much money out of her as she can. And the lady's like, look, your, your grades are great. Your uh, essay was superlative. You got the scholarship. And the lady doesn't even write anything down. It's like, I want that in writing before we go off into the living room and, like, have a good old time with the Super Bowl. And she, Norma grabs, like, a bag of nacho cheese tortilla chips or Doritos or whatever and she goes in and everyone's like hey Norma it's a cheers thing like hey Norm how's it going and she's like hey what why are you guys at Weebs and Weeb is like on the couch in between Jesse and Joey he's like yeah because of Beavis and Butthead here <laughs> it says Kimmy shirt says be kind to animals kiss a football player then on the back of her shirt when DJ pushes Kimmy out of the kitchen, it says football is life or something. And Kimmy's jeans look like somebody drew some draw-on painted um, flowers, colorful flowers on them. Almost like flower power, kind of like that, but almost not. Like somebody just wanted to like doodle on some pants or draw on some pants. Remember in, um, I'll cover it at some point, um, the season 8 episode, Comet's Excellent Adventure, and Danny had that, um, wheel, uh, that chore wheel with the list by it. He's still got the chore wheel up there. Uh, Joey tries to pull off another Beavis or Butthead. <laughs> like, and all the kids and adults are just throwing, like, popcorn and napkins and stuff at his face. Like, shut up, Joey. So Joey is trying to defend himself by saying, hey, look, it's not so bad. It's a great game and everyone's having fun. Of course, Michelle is going to take this time to pout. Like, yeah, right. So Joey decides to get up and talk to Michelle. Jesse's like, oh, I can go with you. But of course, no, Weeb isn't letting Jesse go anywhere as he, like, puts Jesse's head, like, practically in his armpit. It's gross. Don't bring it back, Pumpkin. Okay, well, I'm disappointed. Okay, I can deal with that. All right. I know. <clears throat> Michelle, sometimes things don't always work out the way you planned. You're just going to have to learn how to handle that. Do you understand, sweetheart? I think so. I guess someone will to watch the Super Bowl, but promise to do something else. They should learn how to handle that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. She threw it back in your face. Yeah, I guess I was a little selfish, huh? I'd say you're a lot I selfish. Boy, I ruined your day. I ruined everyone's day just because I was obsessed with a silly old football. It's a once a year thing, though. What's the big deal with the Super Bowl? Well, it's exciting. It's fun. It's the biggest day of 
aerosol cheese consumption in the world. <laughs> but that's no excuse. The most important thing is keeping a promise. I apologize, Michelle. I'm sorry. Hey, look, let's forget about the Super Bowl. If we hurry, we can get over to the museum and learn about the atom and still have time to make fun of Einstein's hair. Thanks, Joey. I think it's too late. Maybe we can go next week. Deal. Early in the morning? Sure, why not? For the whole day? Until they throw us out. Good. I think we understand each other now. I think so. But later tonight, I want you to think about our little talk. <laughs> oh boy, that sounded like a big play. Well, it is the Super Bowl. What are we waiting for? Let's go! Come on, it's the Super Bowl! So Joey goes in, and I like how he's treating Michelle like a person he's talking to her on her level as he gets down at eye level with her. It's like, hey, listen, you and I have to let it have a little talk, all right? I know you're disappointed about not going to the museum. Michelle, of course, fires back with, no. I was a little disappointed when they stopped making the McRib. And I'm like, Pumpkin, they're going to bring that McRib back at least a, hand, a, a couple more times or more in the next, like, 20-some years. So you're not going to be missing the McRib forever. Just like the shamrock shake comes back every single year. I wish they'd do those s'mores pies. Those were good. See, the one thing I look forward to at McDonald's, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I like the shamrock shake. I kind of just like, eh, about the McRib. But the thing I love, cherish, get at least a couple to maybe four times in December or just after Thanksgiving. The, uh, <laughs> now my mind's blanking. Holiday pie. The holiday pie. Oh, I love it so much. If it could be year-round, that'd be cool, but then that kind of take the spark out of it. But, uh, yeah, she says she's a lot disappointed about the fact that she couldn't do the museum thing. But what about those other kids? They were kind of cheated out of it, too. But then again, I mean, this really... Joey, like I said, Joey just got back from doing his, his thing for, you know, the comedy deal. He's been on the road traveling. So you're telling me he wants to get home and then take a bunch of kids, 10 kids, to go to a museum for the whole day. I'd be like, look, I wanna, I've, I've been doing a thing, man. I want to I wanna chill. I wa I'm home, man. I am not leaving this couch. Unless it's on a stretcher. <laughs> um, so, sweetie, you're just... Like I said, the museum is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It'll be there next week. <clears throat> Which is nice because they decide to compromise and just do that. Early in the morning, next week, maybe just the two of them, the whole single day, they're going to go... Um, because Joey at first says, well, I guess, I mean... It is Super Bowl. I mean, if you want, we could still go to the museum. It's like, no, I feel like just do it the next week. Start, go early in the morning. As soon as they open, right when the doors are open, you're there waiting. The only few people, because everyone's probably still home in bed. And you're just going to hang out. You're going to have a good time. You're going to learn stuff. I mean, I don't know if the parents of those kids will let their kids come with you anymore because you took them to a bar. 
But, um, hey, you and Joey can just have a grand old time. Why does Joey cl click his tongue? Like, you and I need to have a little talk, okay? Wait. That's annoying. I don't like it. <laughs> so, Joey sits down next to Michelle at the kitchen table and says, Look, sometimes things don't always work out the way you planned. He says you're just going to have to learn how to handle that. Do you understand what I'm saying, sweetheart? And she's like, yeah. Kind of like somebody who promised to take me to the museum but decided to stay home or drag me to a bar just so I could watch the Super Bowl. Kind of like that. Because it, if you think about it, Joey's, even though he's talking about Michelle's thing with the museum, this also will be turned on its head. And Joey also being learning how to handle disappointment. And how things don't always work out. Because he made a promise and he broke it. And she, in fact, like, she does turn that on his head and work that to her advantage. Like, yeah, this, what you're telling me, flip that around and you can use that on yourself. Because we're both pretty much learning the same exact lesson. That things don't work out and we both have to learn how to handle it when things don't go our way. Or when things change. Plans change and we have to learn to. I have... I have a, oh, had a time dealing with it when I have something planned and something just doesn't work out. And I got to learn how to deal with that. Like when I'm wanting to go to my job, to the area that I'm working, only to find out I got to go across the street. Or, oh, I got to work in another area. And I got to work with other people instead of working by myself, which I like. Unfortunately, I got to grit my teeth and bear it because, well, I kind of want to get paid. Right? I want that paycheck. And it always ends like it always does, where the guys always end up apologizing to the girls and pretty much taking the brunt of the blame when either they could share the blame or the blame really goes to the child. Like when DJ brought that horse home and Danny's like, I'm sorry, DJ, you know, I mean, I get it. I should be more understanding to your plate of not having a mother and just let this, you know, one slide under the, under the radar here. It's just at the end of the day, the guys are always like, I'm sorry, I'm, I, it's my fault. And it's like, no, no, you don't have anything to apologize for. You both learned a lesson. Just, I do love how they compromise with this whole museum thing. Like, yeah, we'll go next week. We'll go there when they open the doors. We'll stay there the whole day. We'll do everything we want to do. And then we can go, like out to eat and hang out and have fun. I do like, as I, I love Jesse and Michelle's relationship the most, his bond with her, but I do like that sometimes we do get, what was the other one? Um, we don't get a whole lot of Michelle Joey moments. I mean, other than like the, the moment he's her substitute this season, um, when he teaches her how to ride a bike. I remember that from, um, I think season five. I know there are other, there are other episodes that have them kind of, the Rigby thing, the Rigby, the rhino thingy. Yeah, he helped support her by taking her to the mall so they could ambush uh, Rigby and tell him that um, his company or whoever's company made a faulty product. Publicly shame and humiliate him. Who, the guy's just in a rubber red d rhino suit just trying to pay the bills and 
really they should have been barking up the company that made the toy and not this poor man who's trying to pay his bills by being in a slick red latex rhino suit. Of course, they hear this touchdown. Touchdown! And Joey's like, oh, crud. Oh, I bet that was a great play, and I missed it. Uh, I mean, they do have replay on uh, the thing, but it's not the same as, you know, seeing it live. That's why I would rather see it live instead of seeing it taped. So, yeah. So, they go there, they rejoin everybody, and that is the episode. So, I hope you guys liked it. I had fun kind of watching this one. Um... Let me see. I was thinking while I was washing my hair. Uh, best outfit of the episode. I want to give it to Teddy. Like I said, the black vest with the black and white um, design shirt underneath. Very nice. Um, let's see. Who do I want to give the second? If I had to do a runner up. Gosh, I can't think of anybody. Um... Huh. So, all right. Uh, there's just one person for that. For worst, DJ. I honestly also want to give second place to um, Norma. Her her dress with a big fake flower on the green Evers green like dress with a fake flower just looked that flower just looked ridiculous it just made me want to reach through the screens like eh, this is ugly it it does nothing for you take it off <laughs> um lesson okay okay do i have a relatable because last time i didn't do a relatable for the oh um yeah i'll do that after i do this relatable for this episode um i can relate to michelle as i said um i've been in a bar when i was probably about uh between Michelle and uh, Stephanie's age, so probably about 11 or 12 or 13, I can't remember, One, probably more than once, definitely more than once. Um, I like wingdings, those were good, like chicken wings basically. Um, so there's a relatable for that. Um, another relatable could be, oh I like um, when I go to get my hair cut, I always get my hair shampooed. And I can relate to Derek in that way. Um, I also wanted to do a relatable for the wedding episode because I totally forgot afterwards. It wasn't until afterwards like, oh shoot, I didn't do a relatable. So relatable for, I want to relate to Becky because of course I had a wedding. I've been, mar I've been married. Um, and a couple of things happened. <laughs> um, we had the wedding cake topper was like a porcelain, you know, precious moments, bride and groom. <laughs> and of course, like we had these like little mini pillars that held up like the top part of the cake. And of course, I guess the weight of the precious moments cake topper, cause it's like porcelain just sitting on the top it was too much for the weight of these pillars. And it just kind of tipped back. And I remember I was in the house and I saw Nicole, my sister who would help put the wedding together. Um, she was surrounded by a couple family members and it just looked like she was like distressed. And I went out there and I'm like, what's going on? What's wrong? And she said, nothing. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, um, the top of your wedding cake, um, fell on the floor and smashed the precious moments cake topper. So I had to go and call Hallmark. They unfortunately did not have a replacement for that, but they had another one that I actually do still have. 
Um, the bride and groom unfortunately kind of broke apart, but I put them together. So, um, it, I mean, it's broken down the middle, but it's still, if you just put the pieces together and just leave them there, they'll stand up on their own. But, um, yeah, that's not related to Becky. Oh, 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 good thing I just thought of this. Okay, okay. I was thinking about this. I'm like, ah, dang it, I should have told that story. I can relate to Jesse, too, when he's stuck in that tree because he went skydiving. I've never gone skydiving. I, I mentioned that. But um, when I was eight and I lived at my aunt and uncle's house, it was in the wintertime. It was dark out. The kid, everyone, everyone was inside watching TV. The, and I was like, I always like to go off and play by myself. And I was, like, pretending it was, like, Mowgli from the Jungle Book. And they had this big pine tree. And, of course, it's winter, so I had a winter coat on. And I'm, like, climbing up the branches. And there's, like, ice or something. And I slip. And I, I fall. And I end up, like, the back of my coat, like, gets caught on, like, one of the branches. And it's just, I'm stuck. I'm, like, basically suspended in midair. Like, I can't move. I'm like, because eh, eh, eh. I don't know what part of my coat. I mean, clearly it's the back of my coat was caught on something. So it's dark out. There's no one out there. Everyone's in the house. What do I do? I start screaming, help, help. And I, I'm crying, and it's cold. And my uncle, Dwayne, had to come and rescue me. And there's another time, I don't know what I was playing, but I was playing on this propane tank in the winter by myself outside in the dark. And um, I get caught. My jacket gets caught. Luckily, I'm able to free myself. But it's just, I had a habit of this, like, going off outside in the dark in the, in the winter, playing by myself and getting, like, my winter coat, like, snagged on something. <laughs> Uh, so we do have a few more episodes coming out this week. Uh, the continuation of Jesse and Becky, a love story. We will be continuing season four, episode 20, entitled Fuller House, which aired on February 22nd, 1991. Michelle is upset when she learns that Jesse plans to move out of the house and into Becky's apartment. We will also, since it is February now, be doing a Valentine's episode for the next three weeks because there is one in season two there's also one in season six and one in season eight so the first one i will be doing is in season two in season two episode 14 <laughs> funny is that season two february is the second month of the year valentine's day is on the 14th so Little shop of sweaters. DJ and Stephanie become worried when they can't find enough money to replace a damaged Valentine's Day gift sweater. Meanwhile, Jesse has his first serious date with Rebecca and Joey attends a Valentine's Day ball dressed as Popeye. And I figured since I just realized um, a character on Full Ho Fuller House excuse me, has a birthday tomorrow. Sonny Bringus, who plays Ramona Gibbler, turns 18 tomorrow. The big 1-8, she's a legal adult. And I've decided to do an episode focused on her. So I will be covering Season 2, Episode 3, entitled Ramona's Not-So-Epic First Kiss, which aired on December 9th, 2016. Ramona's first kiss leads to a heartbreaking lesson in love. A memorable sister night makes wedding crashers out of DJ and Stephanie.
So yeah, I will be doing that for Ramona's birthday and putting that out during the week. Even though her birthday is February 2nd. So let's wish her a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sonny Bringus. And real quick, before I go, I have a couple little uh, mini book reviews here that I want, or book recommendations, excuse me. The first one I just finished, let me get it up here. It's entitled Give and Take by Ellie Schwartz. This book came out last October 2019, and here's the synopsis. To 12-year-old Maggie, or excuse me, what do, 12-year-old Maggie knows her baby sister who smells like powder isn't her sister for keeps. Izzy is a foster baby awaiting adoption. So in a day or a week, she'll go to her forever family and all that sweetness will be gone. Except for those things Maggie's secretly saving in the cardboard boxes in her closet and under her bed. Baby socks, binkies, and a button for Bud the Bear. Rocks, sticks, and candy wrappers Maggie holds on tight to her things, her pet turtle, her memories of Nana, and her friends. But when Maggie has to say goodbye to Izzy and her friends get her friend gets bumped from their all-girl trap shooting squad to make room for a boy, Maggie's hoarding grows far beyond her control and she needs to find the courage to let go. This was such an amazing book and I do have Ellie Schwartz's other two books which I haven't read. This is actually my first of hers. So I'm really excited to read the other two because this one was just so good and the character was just... And the family dynamic, you know, with her older, she's the middle child. She's got an older brother named Dylan, a younger brother named Charlie. And um, her mother, unfortunately, a year before her, her grandmother had passed from, um, she had uh, dementia. And it kind of goes on to show that the reason she has all these cardboard boxes, shoe boxes under her bed, in her closet, in her locker at school, just these random things that hold these memories. She's just so scared to get rid of them because she's afraid if she gets rid of these items, she's going to start to forget. And her parents, I really like how they sit her down and say, we want to help you with this problem, with what, well, with what you're going through and kind of help you realize why you're doing this and how we can help you work through this problem. I like her parents also when um, Maggie gets really angry like when she sees her mom like trying to clean her room and like go through her boxes and Maggie just gets so angry where she's shouting at her mother and I love how her parents like you will not speak to me that way you need to sit down and calm down so we can talk through this and work through why you're so angry and how we can keep you or we can the next time deal with this in an appropriate manner. I like that her parents, they open the channels of communication and everything like that. It's just really, really. And they're dealing with what... I um Goodreads refers to is hoarding. And I don't want to go into any really any too too much more because I don't want to give away any spoilers, but trap shooting actually is a thing. You know how um when people would say pull and you know this disc would fly out and then people would like sh you'd be shooting at it. So it's like uh 
I thought there was another word for it. Not trap shooting, but I thought it was like skeet. Wasn't it skeet? Something skeet shooting or something? I'm not sure. I also love the relationship that um, Maggie has with not just her siblings, her friends. They all can talk about things. But also her grandfather. And I love how she adopts an adorable little turtle that she calls Bert. She's just so sweet to her little brother. And I love their, their bond and everything like that. Now because it is now February, we have entered what is also known as Black History Month. And I just finished my first book of, I believe, I think like six or seven books I have. And they're all middle grade books. The first book is called Some Places More Than Others by Renier, is it, is it Renier or Renee Watson? Because the first E in Renee has a hash mark above it, so I'm not sure how to pronounce it. This also is a book that did come out in the fall of 2019 in September, and I am going to read the synopsis. Newbery Honor author Renier Watson Explores a family's relationships and Harlem, its history, culture, arts, and people. All Amara wants is to visit her father's family in Harlem. Her wish comes true when her dad decides to bring her along on a business trip. She can't wait to meet, to finally meet her extended family and stay in the brownstone where her dad grew up. Plus, she wants to visit every landmark from the Apollo to Langston Hughes' home. But her family and even the city is not quite what Amara thought. Her dad doesn't speak to her like, or her dad doesn't speak to her grandpa. And the crowded streets can be suffocating as well as inspiring. But as she learns more and more about Harlem and her dad, her father's history, Amara realizes how in some ways more than others, she can connect with this other home and family. This is a powerful story about family the places that make us who we are, and how we find ways to connect our history across time and distance. This was just such a, an amazing read. And I've, I've read some of her other books before. I've read Piecing Me Together, This Side of Home. I think that's the only two so far of hers that I have read. But um, her, Amara's dad works for Nike, like working at... Um, being a representative, going to the stores. Amara's got like a collection of different versions of like Nike retros. And it's just, this is a business trip hit. Um, they live in Oregon and he's going to New York and it's Amara's birthday that week. And she's like, what I want for my birthday is to go and visit Harlem where you grew up and see grandpa and my cousins and everything. Cause I haven't really, she's talked to her grandpa on the phone but she's not met him really in person. And there's a history there where her grandfather and dad do not speak. Her grandma Grace actually passed away the year that Amara was born. And also Amara's mom is expecting after many miscarriages, um, her little baby sister, who spoiler alert is born at the end of the book. And um, Amara has a friend named, is it Titus? I think it's Titus. And um, Titus's dad and Amara's dad like grew up together in Harlem, and they're both. I think they both work for Nike, which is really cool. So both of them always get the new shoes. Like the like um, Amara and her dad have a thing where like every time a new shoe is released, they get up at like four thirty in the morning to get in line, 
And then they, like, go to McDonald's and get, like, a McGriddle afterwards to celebrate. Um, Another thing, at first her parents are really resistant. Like, no, no, no. I don't think that's a good idea for you to go to Harlem. It's not anything like Oregon. You wouldn't gel there or whatever. And the thing that kind of makes the parents decide, like, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, I got to go there on business, your birthday, if you want to do this for your birthday, we can do this, and you can, you know, we think it's a good idea for you to meet your grandpa and your extended family, and it's a project in school called the Suitcase Project, where she has to, like, collect, like, uh, stuff that kind of represents, like, who she is, where she came from so she goes about like interviewing her cousins and her grandpa when she gets to Harlem going through the photo album and just one of the things that her mom kind of puts the Amira on the path to do is she wants Amira to try to get her dad and grandfather to actually talk to each other because it turns out they had a disagreement and they just have not talked at all in the 12 years since Amira has been on this earth. And so, like, I know that you're going to be wanting to do things and stuff, but at least try to get them to talk to each other and whatever this is that's between them, get them to kind of clear the air. And, um, I liked it. I really liked it. I liked, I liked the characters. I like the fact that she got to hear stories about her grandma Grace from her grandpa and how her cousins, uh, I think it's like Nina and Ava, who basically the grandfather, since the girls live in Harlem with their aunt Tracy, who is Amara's um, dad's sister, they have more of a closer relationship with you know, her grandfather than Amara does because he practically raised them because, unfortunately, the two girls, their father is incarcerated since they were very, very young, so they don't really remember him too, too much, even though they exchange letters. But I just, like, the girls are, like, like oh, my gosh, really? Because they're, they don't like, they're, like, oh, we gotta, like, basically babysit you, 12-year-old, because... Her cousins are like 14 and 16 and they're having to show her, you know, to her New York and everything. And they're just like, Ava, who's like the 14 year old, is always rolling her eyes. Like, you need to hurry up, Amara. Come on, don't stop to take pictures. And I can't believe, like, they're just tall buildings. Oh, we see this all the time. And it's just like, <sighs> but luckily it just, it's nice that it, it, it works out that I, I couldn't recommend this book any higher than I already have. I gave it five stars. Definitely, if you're looking for a book to read for Black History Month, that is definitely... um The one, the next one I'm doing is by Nick Stone, and I have read Dear Martin by Nick Stone, and it's really, really good. This one, her new one just came out, I believe it was at the beginning of this year. It's called Clean Getaway. And it says, for the life of him, William Scoob Lamar can't seem to stay out of trouble, and now the run-ins at school have led to lockdown at home. So when Gma Scoob's 
favorite person on earth, ask him to go on an impromptu road trip, he's in the RV faster than he can say freedom. With Gmod's old maps and a strange pamphlet called the Traveler's Green Book at their side, the pair takes off on a journey down Gma's memory lane. But adventure quickly turns to uncertainty. Gma keeps changing the license plate, dodging Scoop's questions, and refusing to check Dad's voicemails. And the farther they go, the more Scoop realizes that the world hasn't always been a welcoming place for kids like him. And things aren't always what they seem, Gma included. Take a trip with New York Times best-selling author Nick Stone in this instant class. Actually, I think, let me go to, let me go to Goodreads real quick, because I think actually it's interesting because his grandma is actually white. Yeah, he's an 11-year-old black boy, and his white grandma on an I'm Proud Dude trip. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But I just, I haven't even turned on the first page yet, and I'm just, I'm so excited to read this next one. So that being said, um, all right, I will be back with more Full House episodes. You're getting a lot of Full House episodes, guys, for the month of February. A lot of stuff. Not only this month is at the end of the month is going to conclude the Jesse and Becky love story. Uh, we also have the three Full House Valentine's Day episodes, and of course the Sunny Pringas Ramona's not so epic first kiss. So if you guys want to email the podcast. You can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Also, like I said, if you guys want to have a, put a review up on iTunes for the podcast, use emojis, describe your favorite characters, favorite episodes between Full House and Fuller House. I can try to guess what they are. Just have fun and be creative. So, all right, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye.